Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. One of the most powerful of the Beatitudes, hard to pick, your favourites amongst them all. My favourite so far is blessed are the meek. Uh, it's spoken to me a lot, and I preached about that last, uh, talked about that last Friday. This might be my second favourite for me personally, what I feel like I've learned the most from re-studying and thinking about the Beatitudes. So let's see what happens as we, we get into it. What I would like to know as we start is I asked this question last week. What are we getting out of this series so far? As we've heard sermons, as we've heard Friday lessons, as we've been thinking, praying about the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, perhaps talking about it together. Has anything struck us personally that's been helpful so far? In what way has this series so far had an impact on your faith, on your spiritual, your walk with God, your your walk as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Anybody want to share anything before we get into the specifics of tonight's material? Yes, Julie. Um, I thought last week was so helpful about the meek, mm-hmm. and um, it was quite it was quite amazing actually because I had you spoke about uh, being meek. Being strong, yes, and I had a day exactly like that last that right? Friday because um, I had, had an interaction and she was quite rude to me, disrespectful, and so I had to speak up to her uh, and be strong, but also be meek hmm. and uh, not accusing. Joy helped me with this as well, not to be accusing towards her, okay. and um, yeah, I just thought that was it was so amazing that it was all on the same day when you were talking about that and that I'd experienced that and I think a lot of people do see uh, being meek as being weak like what you talked about yeah. but actually Far it's, from it. it's mm. experienced that it, it's very yeah, very different because yes. you have that God gives you that strength as well to be meek because it doesn't come naturally and he gives you the strength no. to be able to do it That's so right. yeah it was very Super. helpful Excellent. Thank you, Julie. Thanks for sharing. Anybody else before we go on? Yeah, right now. I like the one about morning. I want to be good about. Yeah, great lesson. Scripture that stuck with me there was the one that said, if you go to the house, you know, the house of the Lord. Yeah. It's very real. It's very real. Yeah, absolutely. Well, should we press on into today's material? Uh, my, my experience and my um, supposition is that I think if we, really, if, we really, if we really think about the Beatitudes, pray about the Beatitudes, which is where we are at the moment, we'll find opportunities every single day to live out at least one of them. At least one. And probably in the average day, several of them. To really live them as a follower of Jesus. So where are we? We're in the uh, uh, merciful, the uh, verse 7 here. Blessed are the merciful, they'll be shown mercy. I think, like we talked about uh, in the other Beatitudes, we can see that the, this Beatitude depends on the others, really. I mean, how are we going to be merciful if we're not poor in spirit, if we're not understanding our own weakness and our own need? How are we going to be merciful if we don't mourn over the state of the, of the world and of uh, pain and sin and destruction? How are we going to be merciful if we're not meek, if we're not willing to listen to the needs of others and attend to those more than ourselves, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, what is right rather than what we think is right, what's right by God. There's a a progression here, or there's a 
perhaps a dependency one upon the other to make them work. You can't pick out just your favourite beatitude and say, that's mine, the rest are for these other people who need those. They all work together. They're, they're all part of the nature of Jesus Christ in some way or other. And of course, as disciples of him, then they become part of who we are, both at the time when we receive the Spirit, but then as we develop them as, as life goes on. Only the meek are aware of their sinfulness and fully grasp the wonder of the mercy of God and therefore are able to show mercy, even eager to show mercy to other people. Us being in touch with our need helps us offer mercy to others. So let's talk a little bit about what it means to be merciful. First of all, the old covenant, and then we'll talk about the new covenant. The old covenant, words for mercy, often translated mercy, but there are other ways to translate these words in the old, uh, in, in Hebrew, to English. So I thought we should think about this a little bit, because this is what will be in the mind of the people listening to Jesus on that mountainside in Matthew chapter 5. They would be thinking not like 21st century westernized people, by and large here. They would be thinking as Hebraic Jewish people with the history of their nation and their relationship with God. There are three words here that are very significant for us. The first is hesed, hesed, uh, a word that some of us would be familiar with. We've heard about it often in, in lessons. It's God's steadfast love. As I mentioned here in, uh, in Psalm 89, God says, I will maintain my love to him forever and my covenant with him will never fail. There's that steadfast love. I am committed to Israel. This is the covenant. I have a steadfast love. It doesn't go up and down. And that, that love is a mercy because Israel's commitment to Yahweh um, was that steadfast? Not particularly steadfast, right? Israel's love for God went up and down, but God in his merciful, steadfast love, this is the, one of the ways he expressed his mercy in his consistency of love for Israel through all of those ups and downs, from the Exodus, through the desert, into the Promised Land, and all of the mess that, that happened there um, a lot of the time. So there's that idea behind the idea of mercy, this steadfast commitment no matter what the behavior of the other. I am covenanted to you. Rather like marriage, perhaps, would be a, a parallel. And then we have the word Hanan, meaning to have mercy upon, to be gracious, merciful, to be great, uh, to have grace, to, be, uh, to, to give people favor. It's the kind of, uh, to quote somebody, it's the gracious favor of the superior to the inferior to the undeserved. So this is someone deciding to offer mercy even though it's not deserved and even though there's no particular reason for that person to need to give mercy, they still decide to do so. Psalm 103 verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious or merciful, slow to anger, abounding in love. Isn't that a great verse? Mm. Slow to anger, abounding in love. May that be said of every one of us. Slow to anger, abounding in love. That's an expression of mercy. Slow to anger, abounding in love. And then the uh, third word in the Hebrew here, raham, meaning an empathic love. Um, the word raham is connected to the word for womb. So it's that idea of having someone really close in your heart to them. 
It's a brotherly love. It's a motherly feeling. It's what is talked about in Isaiah 49, verse 15. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion, no mercy, on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. So it's connected again to that steadfast love idea. But it's a feeling as well. It's an empathy. It's a compassion. Uh, it's a tender mercy, sometimes it's translated. Uh, it's a compassion and a pity. It's the way in which we understand that this God is personal and this God has a heart. So all of these ideas would have been in the minds of the people listening to what Jesus said here. I think that might be helpful. So now let's talk about New Covenant descriptions of mercy. And I'd say perhaps there are three key areas we might think about to help us understand a New Covenant idea of mercy. The first is connected with salvation. The second is just Jesus' example. And the third is our discipleship to Jesus and what that means. So first of all, salvation. Um, God's mercy is one of the reasons we are saved. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. Because he is who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. See, we didn't deserve it. Even when we were dead in transgressions. That's his mercy. Rich in mercy. It's by grace you've been saved. Because mercy and grace are very closely aligned, but they're not quite the same ideas. Sometimes you'll see words translated either way around in the New Testament. Uh, but mercy is, well, we'll come more back, actually back to that in a moment. But mercy, grace, they're, they're connected but not quite the same. It's wonderful to know that our God, especially when we're, we're very aware of our, um, uh, our impurities, is, it's a really wonderful thing to remember that our God is rich in mercy. He's not kind of adequate, just got enough, or he might run out. He's rich in mercy. That's who he is, and because of that we have this opportunity to be saved. And uh, Titus chapter 3 verse 5 when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously, because he's rich in mercy. Through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that being justified by grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. So, salvation is ours because of God being rich in mercy. Secondly, Jesus himself, the passages there are, uh, John chapter 11, are Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus. We see him there. How does Jesus respond to the death of Lazarus? He's deeply moved. He responds with compassion. He weeps uh, before he raises him from the dead. He's moved with compassion. In chapter 11 there, when Jesus saw her weeping, Martha... <laughs> Mary, the Jews who come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. That, that's, that's Jesus expressing mercy for those who are in pain, who are weeping, who have been bereaved. Once more, deeply moved, he came to the tomb and, and then we, he, he wept. And here's the thing is, why does he weep when he knows he is going to raise Lazarus from the dead? I mean, there's, there's a mourning party going on, but really shortly there's going to be a resurrection party going on. 
So why bother to mourn? Why not just wait? Here I am, don't worry, chaps. It's all going to be good. Mary, Martha, don't worry. Get the party stuff ready, because I tell you what, it's, it's going to be awesome. And just, just give me five minutes, all right? I just need to pray to the Father, then we need to move the tomb. And I, need to get, I mean, he knows that's coming. And still he mourns. Still he weeps. He's deeply moved, because he feels what others are feeling. He's with them in their pain. That's an expression of mercy. That's why all Christians, Christians must learn to be good listeners. You might not be naturally, and that's okay. Some of us are, some of us are not. Fine. But one of the priorities for a Christian is to learn to be a good listener. Because if we can't be a listener, we're not going to understand, we're not going to connect with people. Anyway, that's a little side point there. What about discipleship? So as a follower of Jesus, one of our callings is to develop the kind of mercy that he had. To put on a, to develop a heartfelt compassion. Yeah. Colossians 3 verse 12, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourselves. Be embraced by it. Not just now and again be nice to somebody who's <laughs> having a bit of a bad day. But make it part of who you are. Yeah. It's like the clothing you wear. It's kind of indistinguishable from who you are. Um, there are some other verses there which I won't go into now, but they're, they're on the handout for some personal Bible study. Uh, Jesus calls us to be merciful just as his, as his Father, Heavenly Father, is merciful. So discipleship, walking, walking after Jesus... Following him, being a disciple, at least part of it, is growing in mercy. Growing to be a person of mercy. Growing to be someone who's known for mercy. And I think this is important, perhaps for some of us more than others, because we're wired up a little bit differently in personality and character, right, and background. And for some of us, what we love about Jesus the most isn't his mercy. Now, that's okay if that's not the main thing you love about him, some of us love his clarity. Some of us love his, um, his courage, or we love his strength, or we love his convictions, or we love whatever it is. There are different things and we naturally connect with, with Jesus. That's okay. But for those of us who don't naturally connect as much with the mercy of Jesus, I would suggest that's a primary area of your spiritual growth. As much as it is, as it is for somebody else who gets that, but doesn't really get the strength and courage of Jesus, where he's able to confront sin, then that's your area, primary area of spiritual growth. But we're not talking about that tonight. We're talking about mercy. So, I like this summary of the difference between grace and mercy. Grace answers to the undeserving. Mercy answers to the miserable. That's a bit of an old English use of the word miserable. It's not talking about someone who's just sad. It's, a, it's a, more like an early 20th century use of the word miserable. It just means somebody who's in a bad situation, a tough spot. And, and they're connected, these two. But perhaps grace is for the undeserving and mercy is just for those who have need. That's, that's, the, that's the big difference. All right, now let me stop for a second and ask you, what biblical examples can you think of of people... Being merciful, either 
in a story, uh, a parable, or in a narrative uh, part of the Old or the New Testament? Where, what examples come to your mind when you think of people being merciful? Yes. Good Samaritan. Good Samaritan, okay. Absolutely. There's one who is merciful. I think the woman at the well. Jesus with the woman at the well, okay. The way he treats her gently. There's a mercy there. Looks like other people have not been so merciful. Very good, yeah. And similarly, the woman caught in adultery. Okay, John chapter 8, right? He, uh, uh, he deals with her differently to the way the Pharisees were dealing with her. Yes, uh, Rudy. Yes, the descendant of Saul. Yes. The tax collector on who prayed. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Luke 18, yeah. Jesus with the thief on the cross. Thief on the cross? I mean, what did he do to deserve God's grace or mercy? Yeah. Any others? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus? Very merciful with him. He was in a bad spot, working for the enemy. But Jesus is still very merciful. Mm. With Matthew, with Levi, yeah, another tax collector. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, Joy? Very good. Excellent. I thought of that one. Excellent. Thank you. How Jesus deals with um, um, Judas. Okay, gosh. I mean, he's very merciful with Judas. Right? I mean, gosh. What would I probably have done with Judas? <laughs> My goodness. Abraham with Lot, with, um, with uh, Lot. Not treating, you know, going after him and rescuing him when he's taken all the nice land and all that. Joseph forgiving his family. Genesis. Prodigal son. The prodigal son is a perfect example. Especially the way the father runs to meet the son. Right? Excellent example. I think that the, uh, the word miserable is it's like miserable. What you mean is like wretched, right? Yeah. Exactly. It's an older use of the word. It comes from a commentary I was reading. Um, I think it's a, a helpful thing, maybe in your own personal devotional times, to make a list of all the examples of mercy that you know about and read them down again. And ask yourself what you learn from that. And ask God in prayer, make me more like Jesus. Make me more like Abraham. Make me more like, um, who else did we mention? Um, Ruth or... Ask, ask for insight, ask for strength there. One quick thing we should say, though, is mercy is not the same as tolerance. The example here, which we won't go into now, but I've referenced, is the way that David deals with, uh, not sorry, Saul, rather, deals with um, Agag. So he's told by Samuel in the battle to attack the Amalekites and destroy all of them, their cattle, their sheep, their children, all the men and all the women. That's what he's told in 1 Samuel 15. But what does Saul do? He thinks, hmm, these sheep and cattle are rather nice. I'm sure God didn't really mean that. And, by, and anyway, with Agag, he doesn't kill him. And God takes that very seriously. No, this was my command. This is how you're meant to deal with this, this evil that was otherwise going to infect you and the people of Israel. And as a result, Saul effectively loses his kingship. Because he gets, he gets, he compromises. So mercy is not something that compromises a command of God. 
It is instead a compassion to help those who are needy, which is more the point. There is a difference between patience and tolerance. Pa pa merciful patience is a positive thing. Patient tolerance is not. And we don't have time to discuss that in detail tonight, but I would suggest that might be a really good topic for a conversation, a Bible study, a family group meeting. What is the difference between being patient in a merciful, godly way as opposed to being patiently tolerant in a way that actually just uh, creates a circumstance in which sin and unrighteousness appears, at least, to be uh, allowed? And obviously that's not right. So Jesus gets that right. We often get it wrong, but we can learn and grow how to get that uh, in better balance, I would say. So uh, expressions of mercy. Expressions of mercy. So one of the questions we need to answer for ourselves is, how do I know if I'm a merciful person? Now, I, doubt, I dare say uh, your family could tell you that. Um, your children, your spouse, or people around you can probably tell you. But I think it's helpful to think about biblically what does mercy look like when it's in action? And I would suggest these seven things at least, and maybe you can think of others. So I'd suggest this, that mercy is at least partially expressed by gentleness. In Mark chapter 7, uh, Jesus takes the, the man away from the crowd. So he, the man says, heal me, he needs healing. And it, rather than do it right there and then, he takes him apart from the crowd, takes him away and deals with him separately. Uh, he takes him away from the crowd, puts his finger in the man's, man's ear, spat, touched the man's tongue. He, he, for some reason, he took him, he didn't do it right there and then, he took him away. J Jesus is gentle in that way. Another time when he's about to rebuke the disciples, he first of all takes them away from everybody else to talk about what they were doing on the road and arguing about, and then he deals with them privately, not in public. So that's a an expression of gentleness, that's a mercy. Uh, patience. Um, 1 Timothy 1.16, for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Paul connects mercy with God's patience. Paul was causing Christians uh, to be killed, imprisoned. And, and, and I mean, why would God be patient with someone like that? But God in his mercy was patient with Paul, which I'm sure helped Paul to be patient with other people. Eagerness. Mercy is eager. Uh, you referenced to the uh, the prodigal. You know, when when the, when the father sees the prodigal returning, he doesn't say, "Oh, that's good. I'll put on the I'll put the kettle on. We'll make a cup of tea." And when he gets into the lounge, well, we'll sit down and have a chat. He drops everything and runs. It's an expression of mercy. He's eager to show mercy. There's no reluctance there. There's no hesitation. Very eager. Mercy is a, a spiritually healthy mercy is accompanied with cheerfulness. Um, Romans 12 verse 8, uh, various things are mentioned here about gifts, and it says, uh, uh, if it is to show mercy, if your gift is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I have, you know, on occasion been merciful to people, but begrudgingly and like through gritted teeth, like, I have to be merciful because I'm a Christian, rather than, it's my privilege, my joy to offer you mercy. And we need to check our hearts there. Uh, mercy is generous. In Psalm 32, verse 21, the wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously, which is the word there, the Hebrew word hanan, mercifully. 
The righteous give generously, mercifully. It's a generosity as opposed to a tight-fistedness. Uh, mercy is practical. First uh, John chapter 3, verse 17. If anyone has material possessions, sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? So it's practical. We go and help people. And then restoration is an interesting one. In Galatians chapter 6, it says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you'll also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So when someone's drifted from the faith, helping that person be restored to the faith is an expression of mercy. I think so. Isn't it a wonderful thing when you see someone restored? and for some of us maybe we've been through that experience and it's an expression of mercy it's the well that could be me or actually maybe it has been me let me offer mercy and not judgment and help people gently uh, to to be restored a few things there to think about how do we develop a merciful spirit I would say three steps the first is to reflect if you want to grow in mercy, first of all, reflect on God's mercy to you. God has been very merciful, and so have people. Um, I had an argument with my wife last night, and, uh, and this morning she was still speaking to me. So that's a sign of her mercy to me. Um, I need to reflect on that. I don't deserve it. Uh, it, it, was, it I was rude. Well, not rude. I was unkind. And, um, and yet, you know, there's, there's mercy there. And God has been so merciful. To me, one of the things that happens is the older you get as a Christian, the more that you've seen God move, but the more sin you've done as a Christian. So the more, hopefully, you're aware of God's mercy to you. Because for a lot of us here, we became Christians at a relatively early age. You hadn't done as much bad stuff then as you probably have since. I mean, I've sinned more as a Christian now than I, as a non-Christian. That's not a good thing, but I mean, just the reality, right? So hopefully I'm even more aware of God's mercy to me now than when I became a Christian. That's one of the ways to develop a merciful spirit, to reflect uh, on all of that. Secondly, is to, uh, to use a biblical word, is to repent. Is to change the way we think about people. To view people the way God does. Perhaps we need to change our attitude to become a more merciful uh, person. And then the third thing is to simply notice opportunities to be merciful. In fact, to pray. Ask God, give me opportunities to be merciful. Because the only way we get better at, be, at something like being merciful is actually having opportunities to be merciful and then being merciful and learning from it. Notice what's going on around you. Pray to notice. I mean, we're often in the blinkered mode, right? That's fine. But it, the more we pray about it, the more God will open our eyes opportunities uh, to be merciful. Reflect, repent and pray that you will notice. Now, just to finish off, what I'd like to do is I'd like us all to sing a song together. It's a song about God's mercy to us. I thought it'd be nice to finish with this. The lyrics are on one of the handouts if you want them. I'm going to put them on screen anyway. I really like this song. You are merciful to me. It's one of those songs that repeats its idea a lot. It's a meditative kind of reflective song. From our hearts to God, you are merciful to me. You are merciful to me. You are merciful to me, my Lord. 
Every day, my disobedience grieves your loving heart, but then redeeming love, you could say merciful love, breaks through, causes me to worship you. Let me get that bit where the men and women echo, redeemer, saviour, healer, friend. Every day renew my ways, fill me with love, with mercy that never ends. You're merciful to me. So can we sing this together to finish? So we can stay seated and just enjoy it. If you don't know the song that well, it's okay. It's not hard to learn, but also um, you could just listen if you if you prefer. So let's uh, sing this together. God's mercy. Just learn to live a life of mercy.